Welcome to Becoming Boundary, the podcast that teaches you how to say yes to the space you need and the connection you crave. I'm your host, Krista Resnick. I'm a master life coach and boundary expert for women. I'm also a sought after speaker and mother to three adultish sons. It wasn't that long ago that I was a boundary disaster. My time never felt like my own. I couldn't set a boundary and speak my truth. And my most important relationships suffered greatly. Fast forward to today and I've successfully coached thousands of women to heal from their people-pleasing patterns and step into true freedom and confidence. I created Becoming Boundary to help you do the same. Be sure to tune in for tips and tools from me, interviews with other incredible coaches and therapists and speakers, plus one-on-one live coaching calls and so much more. If you're ready to start setting healthy boundaries so you can create the space you need and the connection you crave, then you're in the right space. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Boundaried. Today, I have a special treat for you all. I have a live coaching session with Laura. But before we dive into this session, I want to make a really big and exciting announcement. My signature program, From Fawn to Fierce, is opening its doors this coming Friday, September 23rd. This is your chance to work with me for four months to stop your people-pleasing patterns and truly become the boundaried, powerful, purposeful woman that you are. We are going to unpack so many essential topics that really support you in your healing journey. Perhaps like me, you've read the books on confidence and communication. You've listened to the podcast. You've gone to the workshops. And there maybe are a few little shifts and changes here and there, but nothing really seems to stick. The missing link for most of us is having the support and the accountability of someone holding our hands, guiding us, leading us, calling us forward into our authentic, true potential. Having that safe place where we can bring our stories forward and we can receive so much compassion and kindness for everything that we've been been through and then have the support and the accountability to make changes moving forward. That, my friends, is the missing piece. It is the missing piece. I knew conceptually how to do boundaries. But when I was confronted with conflict, all of my boundaries went out the window because I would go into my familiar pattern, which was fawning. So until I really started to look at healing that little one inside, working with her on top of taking some forward-moving action 
having the support, having the accountability, really being seen in safe places and spaces, nothing ever shifted sustainably for me. So this is your chance to work with me for four months. We're going to go deep. It's going to be so beautiful. And it's really at a inexpensive investment. This is so inexpensive. I already said that word, but we'll say it again, compared to what some of my normal coaching fees are. So this is your chance to get inside and work with me in this beautiful container. I will leave a link in the show notes. You can click on the page, read through it yourself. I would be so honored and grateful to support you inside. And remember, that will be opening on Friday, September 23rd. Doors will be open. So get inside. And there is a little special gift for fast action takers. Okay. So as I mentioned, today we have a really, really special call. I love these coaching calls that I can bring to the podcast because we learn so much through other people's stories. We are connected through our stories. So before we dive into my coaching session with Laura, do you sometimes struggle to know what you want and need? Do you find it challenging to advocate for yourself? Do you dim your light or play small to make it more convenient for other people? Do you treat people like they are fragile or does your mind spin out in lots and lots of what ifs? Well, if this is you, you are going to love this episode with Laura. Laura, as you will see in the show, is faced with some really, really big decisions. But these decisions are her truth. So often, other people don't always like our truth. And in this particular coaching session, Laura didn't necessarily love her own truth because it meant walking into these crucial conversations, which were so terrifying for her. And for so many of us, when we had to stuff our needs down, had to stuff our feelings and emotions down in childhood, these conversations conflict can be terrifying. So if this is you, I know you're going to learn so much from this episode. So without further ado, friends, here is my live coaching session with Laura. Laura, welcome to the show. How can I best support you today in our call? Hello, Krista. Thanks for Oh, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I got a doozy today. Um, I'm really glad we're meeting. So uh, I um, really struggle sometimes uh, with choosing things that I want, things that don't make my heart happy. So um, I, my husband and I put an offer on a house um, and the lot next door. Uh, to move away from family. Um, And it was a very complicated transaction. So there's a part of me that just thought like, oh, this isn't going to happen. There's too many things that have to fall into place just right. 
but I'm trying to surrender. And if it works out, I'll trust it. So much to everyone's disbelief, um, it, it, it worked out. Um, so we won the, the house and we won the lot next door, which were conditions for buying either. And now it's real and I'm in full on like panic, overwhelm, disbelief. Oh my gosh, this is real. Um, how do I process? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is no small feat. This is a big deal. And congratulations. Thank you. It's I, super exciting. <laughs> thank you. It is. It is really exciting. And it's it's so fast um, that I'm like right now I'm I'm actually like my hands are shaking. Even this is the first time I'm talking about it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's becoming more real. Very much. <laughs> yes, I'm hearing there's panic. I'm hearing there's overwhelm. And I also heard something really essential, which is I have trouble choosing things that I want. Is that a pattern for you, Laura? Uh, yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Uh, some areas I'm, I'm really good at advocating for me, or I, I don't know, it's really easy, I guess. Um, but in other parts of my life, especially around family, um, I have a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me an example? I mean, I know that we're talking about the house and this situation currently, but is there another recent example of a situation where it just felt sticky, like you weren't able to muddle through to clarity? Um, yeah, I mean, um, let me think of, there are quite a few. Um, I would say probably one of the recent ones is, um, you know, I have, so I, I have to have uh, surgery um, in a couple of weeks. and. I'm really struggling to ask for help ahead of time. I I just keep saying to myself, like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. You know, I'm going to be on crutches for a couple of weeks after. And I have uh, a four-year-old um, and, you know, my husband's great and he'll help. Um, but it's like, even just, I'm not going to be able to carry anything. The idea of having to be so dependent on someone else and ask for so much help. I I'm just procrastinating in getting childcare set up and planning for meals and even just like preparing myself for being so dependent on someone else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. That, that provides me a little bit more understanding and clarity. So what really comes up for you at the thought of asking for support and asking for your needs to be met? What are some of the sensations, the feelings, the emotions? Oh, um, well, uh, currently talking about this, I'm um, like breathing very heavily. I felt my heart rate um, kick up. I feel a little bit nauseous <laughs> uh, and I, it, um, it's really scary. I, I don't want to be an inconvenience. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want 
other people to have to do things for me that they might not want to do. I don't, I don't, I don't like feeling like um, I'm, I'm putting other people out or making them upset because they, they have to do something for me. Mm. Yeah. So if we ride those feelings back in time, sort of that nauseousness that came up, the heavy breath, that's beautiful. Again, thank you for your vulnerability. If we ride that back in time, like way back to childhood and that, that story that comes up around, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be an inconvenience. What does that remind you of, if anything? Uh, um, pretty much my whole childhood. Um, I'm the youngest of four and, um, I was, I was definitely, uh, an oops baby. I was a surprise, (laughs) um, to my parents. And, uh, I think I ended up internalizing a lot of they didn't mean for me to be here. So I don't want to take up too much space. I don't want to take up time. I don't want to be an inconvenience. So I'll just get really small and take care of myself and be self-sufficient. And then, you know, they won't, they won't feel bad about the surprise. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's present for you right now? Just having witnessed yourself saying that a lot of sadness. Yeah. No, no little girl should have to feel that way. I think about my son and it would break my heart if he ever, um, if he ever felt that way or if he ever thought that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. What is it that you want your son to believe? Oh, what a gift he is how precious he is, um, how grateful I am to be his mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what is your, what was your relationship like then? I mean, those were some of the beliefs. And again, I know that can be kind of hard to put it out there and thank you for your vulnerability. So those were some of the beliefs that sort of got seeded as a little girl, you know, some of the stories that you heard of, oops, you were, you were, you know, you were an oops baby. So your little system made interpretations about your worth and your value from those stories that were sort of handed to you, passed down to you. What was life like in your family of origin from the time you really had kind of conscious memory, describe that a little bit to me. Um, so I mentioned I was the youngest of, I am the youngest of four. Um, <clears throat> I remember a lot of being uh, sort of carted around to all of my my sisters, my siblings' events. Um, they're uh, a good amount older than I am. Um, and so there would be, you know, high school events, um, sports band, uh, you know, even graduations and, um, 
I was brought to a lot of that and, um, and, and, you know, just had to sort of tag along and, and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So can you see then Laura, where this pattern of not being able to put your needs, your dreams, your priorities on the front burner sort of came from? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, stopping to think about it like this and talk about it, uh, it makes sense. Like, of course I would feel that way. Um, or of course that is a way that I could feel. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as we always say here on the podcast that of course your parents were doing the best that they could, they were great parents. I'm sure in many, many ways, amazing parents in many ways. And again, to that little girl who had a nervous system and who had needs that were going unmet, it's important that we thread those things out because no, we are never wanting to point the finger and become victims. And you had needs. You had things that went unmet. And so there was this belief created that, you know, you mentioned, I don't want to take up space from the time, you know, I was able to hear stories and have conscious thought. I was told that I wasn't supposed to be here. I was a whoops baby. And consciously, you know, that you were loved, you were cherished, I'm sure. But it's that little girl that heard those stories. It's that little four or five, six-year-old girl that we want to go back and work with her to develop new beliefs and to meet those needs because she's the one in the situation that's running the show. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, it sounds like... Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents were fabulous. They in in so many ways, um, and uh, you're right. Consciously, um, of course, I know. I I know that, and it's amazing to see how far back a pattern goes and how ingrained it is, and how much it shows up despite the fact that you and I can talk and I can say, yeah, of course, I know that wasn't true. Yet here I am, uh, a grown up with my own child, <laughs> still yet unable to uh, break this pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, what is it that that little girl? What what age really comes up for you when we're talking about this and sort of going back in time? What age seems to be prevalent in your mind that you'd want to go back and work with this, this little one inside? Um, I don't know, probably somewhere around eight. Yeah. Um, eight or nine. My, um, 
my sisters were all out of out of my you know the house by the time I was nine and so I would I'm both you know the youngest but also kind of grew up as an only child in some ways and I feel like when my sisters were all gone and maybe there was even I don't know less less attention at that point or feeling like you know okay well they would be all done if it weren't for me mm-hmm. and now they have 10 more years of raising a kid yeah that's a big burden to carry yeah well what's present for you right now laura uh this is the first time I've ever thought about it that way, like that that's ever come up on my heart about, because there's kind of this juxtaposition, right? Like my sisters were around, it was, it was busy and hectic and I was being, you know, shuffled everywhere. And then um, by nine, like everyone was gone and it was just me and my mom and dad. And and then I definitely had more attention because it was just me. Yet it sort of feels like, um, I don't know. I'd always thought about it being because of my sisters that I felt like I, you know, wanted to be small and, and was a burden. But having said that out loud now, it actually resonates a lot that I actually felt almost guilty that my parents had to raise a child for another, you know, eight, nine, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did anyone ever actually say those words to you? Was that something ever spoken out loud? Not that I, not that I remember. Okay. I mean, there was always the, there was, there was always a little joke about, you know, me being an oops. And, you know, my mom would always say, no, 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 you know, Catholic family, we have, we got pregnant whenever God wanted us to have a baby. And, um, it's only been like in my grown up years that, you know, my mom has said, well, yeah, I mean, you, you were an accident and, but we're so glad. And we, you know, I understand why. And so many reasons that, you know, God gave us you. So, um, but but that was it. I mean, the, they, they never ever, I mean, I don't have any memories of anyone ever saying anything like that to me explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your relationship like with your parents once your sisters all left the house? Um, I mean, well, my mom was, back to work. So, um, I would go to after school care. Um, I remember like having dinners together. Um, I played a lot of soccer. My parents would, you know, travel and, um, you know, they were, they were always there. They were always at my games. We traveled for tournaments, you know, we would always go out of town and, um, and I remember them being like very attentive for events. 
or, um, you know, I played the piano, like recitals and, um, you know, and like the games, but on a, on a, um, like outside of, of that, I don't like, my dad was very non-emotional. He was very like, um, you know, very reserved sort of physically. And, um, and so, you know, I don't, my mom was kind of wore that hat for both of them, you know, with the hugs and the, um, and the, I love yous, but it was very like, this is what's expected of you. You know, you're, you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. So, um, you know, keep it up, but there was never any sort of over, overt or, um, really present, like laughter and hugs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. What did that little girl really need? What were some of the needs that went unmet? Um, I mean, I definitely remember feeling like I couldn't have big feelings. Um, you know, it was like, this is, this is what you do. You don't complain. Um, and I can remember like, you know, she, she needed to be mad and she needed to be sad and she wanted to be loud and silly. And my house was very quiet and very like muted, um, is what I would just, how I would describe it. And so I think she really needed like some mess mm-hmm. <laughs> and some, um, you know, laughter and silliness and big feelings and to not always be you know, performing is the word that's coming up for me. Like there were, if, if like she couldn't be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a part of you in this current situation where you've got all of this panic and overwhelm coming up, thinking about a potential move? Is there a part of you that um feels like you have to stuff some of these big feelings that are coming up around this. There's a part of you that can't maybe step into authentic conversation and really share what is alive and present for you. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm feeling a lot of guilt. I'm feeling like um, we don't have to move. It's feeling like, well, this is a choice. And so I, I shouldn't be mad or sad about it because I'm choosing it. Like I shouldn't have any conflicting feelings. I should only be happy because this is my choice. Mm -hmm. And yet I, I have so much grief about change, about not being close to family about taking my son away from his grandma about, you know, 
interrupting our, 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 our life, our routine to go somewhere brand new. And, and it's not like we have to change for a job. So it feels really um, selfish and confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, can you be okay with all of the different feelings that are coming up and really allow yourself and give yourself permission to be with some of the sadness and be with some of the other emotions that are coming up because this actually is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. What might that look like for you? Uh, um, I mean, I, I feel, ooh, I feel a little bit like I, I'm trying to allow myself to feel, but I don't want, I don't want anyone else to see it or, or know it or feel it. Like I want to put on a show for my mom Mm. and, and I want to avoid making her sad and mad, (laughs) um, at a choice that I'm making. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't, um, I don't really know how to talk to her about it. Yeah. And what is the cost, Laura, of trying to manage, specifically, you mentioned mom, what is the cost of trying to manage her feelings and what comes up for her around this? Well, she doesn't get to process. Um, and, you know, I she's a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> um but I'm I'm so used to controlling everyone's <laughs> everyone else's side of the street. Yeah. Um but the cost is not being honest, the cost is not connecting with her about how hard this is. Yeah. Not, not letting her feel her feelings in process. Mm-hmm. And what feels really scary to you about that? Being honest, being vulnerable. Um, it's going to feel really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to feel that sad. I don't want to see her in pain. I don't want to be the cause. I don't want to be the cause of her pain. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I really hear that. And yet you mentioned, you know, you've spent so many years, decades trying to control, trying to be on other people's side of the street at the cost of your own needs, your own desires, your own wishes, your own joy and happiness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm utterly exhausted. And then I'm terrified. What if I'm wrong? What if I make this big move by my choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I don't like it. Yeah. 
let's play that out. What if? What if that actually happens? Because so often, Laura, we do leave those what ifs unanswered. And that's where we can spin out in so much overwhelm and so much anxiety. It can be really, really helpful to actually answer the what ifs. So what if you get there and in a month or three months, you don't like it. Well, I've just disrupted everyone's life, bought a house, sold a house, taken my son out of school. Um, and then we can't, we can't go back. Like, um, you know, do I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. You know, try and get them back into school or we find a new place to go. Then I have to admit that I'm wrong. Mm, <laughs> I yeah. Caused all of this pain and, and um, the, like logistical nightmare, financial <laughs> nightmare yeah. to undo it all. It sounds like to me, just being really direct that you're taking on a lot of responsibility for everyone else's feelings and emotions. You said, I'm the one that caused all of this. And of course, you know, unpacking the little bit of childhood that we did, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, response, responsibility or a lot of weight on your shoulders because, oh, look, mom and dad can't be out living their life and doing the things that they want to be doing because they've got me. They could be X, Y, Z, but they've got me. That was the story that you bought into, as you mentioned, around eight or nine years old, which I think is still showing up prevalent in this situation. I'm responsible for mom's feelings, how she feels about this. I'm responsible for so-and-so's feelings. I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for that. And it's a really, really big weight to carry. Yeah. Yeah. How does your husband feel about this move? Oh, um, <clears throat> He's, he's really excited. Um, he's, you know, we, we had to move where we are now because of pandemic and needing more support, um, for my son. And he has tolerated where we're living, but is not happy at all here. Um, and so he has really been advocating for us to get back to somewhere with better weather where we can be outside, not such severe seasons and um, closer to mountains. And, you know, we're really outdoorsy. So it's been hard living um, somewhere with pretty cold winters and pretty hot summers. Yeah. Yeah. And describe to me a little bit about 
how you feel about the move? Oh, um, like when you really think about the mountains and being near, you know, the streams and the rivers and hiking and the weather, what really is present for you in your body? What comes alive for you? Uh, opportunity, expansion. Like I, my heart gets light. Um, I sort of, my shoulders <laughs> come out of my ears a bit. Um, I mean, I, I really want to make the move. I just want my mom to come with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that a possibility? Oh, uh, I mean, is it a possibility? Sure. Is it probable? No, okay. no, her life is, her life is here. She's been in the same house for, you know, 40 years. She's got her life here and her systems and her support network and a lot of memories and, you know, um, routine for herself. So She's not ever expressed any openness to leaving where she is. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. So I, I'm hearing that everything in your body is a full yes, but there's this story that you are responsible for the relationship she has with your son for her well-being. And so to make this move, you would have to carry really the weight of all that, that you're responsible for everybody else's happiness and, and life ultimately. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, wrong, what's yeah. wrong with that? <laughs> so if your son came to you with this exact scenario Ugh. what would you say I'd say oh honey you're not that powerful yeah. <laughs> no I mean yeah it's I, I'm saying it out loud and I'm laughing because it sounds ridiculous like of course I'm not responsible for all of that yet it's exactly how I feel it's and as soon as we switched from talking about how I feel moving to the mountains to all of this responsibility, my shoulders are back in my ears. I'm feeling nauseous again. I'm taking really shallow breaths and I want to talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you really need to hear, Laura, to give yourself permission to make this choice and to honor what it is that your heart and your soul need? Um, I think that she understands that she's not mad. I, I feel like she needs to forgive me. <laughs> Or do you need to forgive you? Wow. Um, for choosing me. 
choosing you know, my husband, my family. Um, you know, it just, it, it, it feels selfish. It's like all these things I should, I should do. I should be happy here. I should be grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should be enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and when we ride that back in time again, that was sort of the whole bane of your childhood. You know, I should just go along to get along. Yeah. I, I, I should be grateful. I have two parents that love me. I have food on the table. I have, you know, I don't want for anything. Um, you know, my physical needs were more than met. Um, and so it, yeah, I've, I've felt, uh, guilty or why isn't it enough? It's like, I don't know. I need to forgive myself for for wanting more, for needing more, yeah, for being who I am. I mean, that yeah. feels pretty terrible. Mm. Yeah. Guilt is really designed for, I mean, guilt can be a very healthy emotion Yeah, when it is used properly. Guilt is designed for when we actually have made a mess, when we've actually done something wrong, it presents as an opportunity, sort of like a shoulder tap to turn around, make amends and clean up your mess and make things right or repair as best you can. But then there's the unhealthy guilt that we tend to douse ourselves down with all of the stories and all of the shoulds, as you mentioned, right? those voices, we should do this, we shouldn't do this, we should feel this way, we shouldn't feel this way, we should be more grateful, which causes so much dysregulation in our system, which I think is what you're feeling and experiencing. Yeah, yeah, what is that? Um... You know, shame is I'm a bad person. Guilt is, you know, I did a bad thing or I made a bad choice. Like it makes sense when you talk about repair. It's like I I didn't do something that needs repairing. I'm actually feeling like, yeah, like I, it should be enough in that shame or that, you know, that that severity of guilt, whatever word you want to use is at my core like I'm I it's like I don't want this to be my truth yeah I want to want something different so that it's easier for everyone yeah yeah and yet so often in relationship it can be messy yeah What really scares you most about this move? Um, uh, I think, I mean, what scares me the most? I think being 
honestly, what I'm feeling is like nothing about the move scares me. Like, you know, I've lived lots of places and I'm all those logistics, like find the new doctor, find the new this, right. Find the new school. Like I'm, what really scares me is what I'm leaving behind. Yeah. It scares me that, you know, something I'm so grateful to have these days with my mom and for my son to have them. And it scares me that, you know, something will happen or that she'll be alone, that we won't see her, um, you know, that she'll be lonely. Yeah. Well, and that may be true. She might be lonely. And it also sounds like she's got a really beautiful network having lived where she's lived for so long she's got a really beautiful network. She sounds like she's plugged in living her life. And my guess is that it sounds like she probably would want that for you as well. Yeah, she would. Yeah. She does. And so your truth is to be responsible to yourself and what it is you need and your very immediate family, meaning your partner and your son. That's really the only thing at this point in life that you are responsible to. Not overly responsible, like where you are tending to everybody, all of their needs to the point of your own well-being, but responsible to within reason, right? Your son is four. There are just certain things that as a mom, you, you have to tend to. Yeah. And so that's really it. And knowing that there's flights available that you can make, you can make this work because, because, excuse me, that relationship with your mom is important to you. That relationship between your mom and your son matters to you. So it will be a priority. Can you trust that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's scary, but I'm, I know that that is true. I know you're right. Like I will make it a priority. And I feel really blessed. Like we would not have had these last two years, two and a half years, if not for COVID. Um, You know, we were living far away then. And so um, these last couple of years have been such a gift. And I'd like to think that gift has, you know, made it stronger and easier for this move. Yes. There's where we want your mind going. You, for the past two years, have cultivated and built that beautiful foundation between you and your mom, between your son and your mom, his grandma, so that moving forward, you can really honor this part of you that craves the solitude and the beauty of the mountains and of the nature and the lushness of where you're headed and to ride all of those feelings, to not stuff, to not suppress, 
but to let yourself have the big feelings that you really never got to have because you were always so accustomed to meeting everybody else's needs, going along to get along, not rocking the boat. Just let yourself move through the sadness. Let yourself move through the guilt and whatever else comes up, knowing that you won't get lost in it, but that you just get to ride the wave of it. And knowing that you chose what matters to you, what it is that you need and your family, what your family needs. Mm. It's hard when you <laughs> decade, not that I want to confirm that it's hard and it's hard when you've spent decades. Yeah. Yeah. Managing everybody's feelings, managing everybody's emotions, being the one who always dims her own needs and meets everybody else's needs. And this yeah. is an <laughs> opportunity, Laura, for you to get on your own side of the street and mm. start thinking about your needs and modeling that for your son, what it looks like to really stand in your own leadership and have clarity around what it is that you need, what it is you want, you desire and go for it. Mm. Yeah, that it helps thinking about what I want to model for my son, which I don't know, I guess still makes it not about me, but <laughs> It is hard. Otherwise, you know, it, I guess I had to let go of it already. Well, uh, there was the piece where you mentioned about the authenticity, you know, never really feeling like you got to be authentic, always feeling like you had to be performing. This is your chance to really stand in your authenticity, hmm. stand in your truth and model that for your son. Yeah. Because you are responsible to that, not only for yourself, but to him. Right. Right. That's, that's a, that's a healthy responsibility to have versus. Yes. Okay. I can see that. <clears throat> yeah. Be responsible to him, to show him, to guide him, to lead him, to work on the stories and <sighs> for lack of a better word, the baggage of your past to shed all of those beliefs around, I can't speak and live my truth. I can't show big feelings. I can't really honor my needs. I can't give myself permission to be authentic. This is such a beautiful opportunity for you to really bust up a lot of those beliefs and move forward and show him what it looks like to really honor, honor yourself and your needs. Hmm. So what's present for you now, Laura? Uh, hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, optimism, you know, a little, a little more lightness about, um, you know, I don't know, reframing it to be an opportunity to, to actually look at 
something that I've been aware of for a long time and, and really do want to change. Um, and, and what a big opportunity this is with my mom, who is such a safe, she's such a safe space. Um, and she's an incredible, gracious and, and kind and forgiving and generous woman and mother and, um, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I have a safe space to practice this. I mean, it's massive. Um, but it feels really possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to remember too, that people aren't as fragile as we'd like to always think they are. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, um, that's a really good point. Um, my mom, I would never use that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Will she be disappointed? Probably to a certain level. Of course, that's human. That's right. natural. But it still doesn't mean, Laura, that you've done anything wrong. Remember, guilt is designed to reroute our behavior when we've actually done something wrong. Yeah. Living and speaking and expressing your truth is not doing anything wrong. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the demon. That's the belief. Yeah. Yeah. Being who I am, being honest, being authentically who I am is not doing something wrong. Exactly. So we want to uncouple or untangle that belief with moving forward with, with the move mm. right now. I think what's tangled is somewhere, somehow, some way deep down, it's, it's as if this is wrong right. for you to want this. Yeah. Oh, that's totally resonating. Yeah. <clears throat> your truth is not wrong. Your truth is your truth. And this is an opportunity for you to really practice authenticity and expressing yourself with your mom. And again, will she be disappointed? Probably to a certain level, part of the human experience. And she's not actually that fragile. Yeah. Yeah. Her life will go on. She'll get together with her friends. She'll have great memories. She'll drive and see you. She'll get on a plane, vice versa. All of those details can actually be worked out quite easily. But it's more the stories and the beliefs that you are hurting her, that you are responsible for her feelings, that you are doing something wrong that's causing the angst, the panic, the overwhelm. Mm. Wow. That's really, um, you know, it's really eye-opening. It's really powerful to be able to tease out like how far or how deep, how deeply committed I've been to, um, to be able to separate out like a, 
a, a want, a need, a belief, something that's in my, a want, a need, or something that's in my heart that is a, my truth from a belief that me wanting what I want or needing what I need or feeling how I feel is somehow wrong. Well, and as a child, we have to remember that this was your safety. This was your lifeline, was not taking up space, not owning your truth. Right. But you're not that eight or nine-year-old little girl anymore. Mm. <clears throat> ah, right. So, so I'd love to see you connecting with her daily. Yeah even just a couple minutes in the morning and just seeing what it is that she needs to feel safe, to feel secure in this decision moving forward. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that feels, I want to, I want to check that out. I want to, What does she need to feel safe? Yeah. Because right now she's sort of running the show saying, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, remember, mm -hmm. we don't take up space. We don't own our truth. We go along to get along. Hmm. Oh, go along to get along. I like that. That sounds... I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, again, okay. it's with her daily, yeah. daily. There's got to be consistency so that you are building that trust with her, mm -hmm. so that she feels seen, so that she feels validated and heard. Okay. A couple minutes and just updating her. Listen, I've got this. We can do this. Right. One step at a time. Is there an action okay. that you need to put forward in terms of your mom? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel a lot clearer and more equipped to have the conversation with her. Um, and I think that's what I need to do. I need to open this dialogue with her and, and, and be as honest as I can, you know, this is my truth. This is what I want. This is how this is coming to be. This is, you know, the things that are falling into place and I'm really sad. I want her to come with and we have space and invite her and, um, you know, be okay in her disappointment and be okay in her saying, no, or, you know, being open to maybe she'll change her mind, right? All these things that just letting go of all the things that I really aren't my control. I mean, I appreciate very much, um, you know, your, your coaching around the what if, like, if we actually stop and answer that, it's like, what if she changes her mind in a few months? What if she does come? Yeah. Um, and so I need, I, yeah, I need to just sort of get prepared and, and have this conversation with her to give her a chance to actually share with me how she is feeling so I can stop 
pretending or, or stop imagining what she's feeling and actually hear her truth. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Because right now, because the conversation hasn't happened, there's a lot of story. Right. She is really producing a lot more of these feelings of panic and overwhelm and anxiety. So once you have the conversation in a way that really feels honest and authentic to you, then we can move forward in a direction that feels clear and confident knowing that we expressed our truth. I, um, okay. I am going to commit to myself, (laughs) um, that the next time we talk, I will have had the conversation with her. Beautiful. That will give you a lot of clarity and a lot of, I guess the word that comes to mind is reassurance. Hmm. And knowing that you're not responsible for whatever comes up for her. Right. Yeah. Well, and how much of this is, you said, how much of this is story and to actually hear her truth and to honor myself in this feels um, a lot. I'm a lot more grounded to have the conversation from that place than where I was before. Yeah. 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 You really get to stand in your seat of power coming from your truth in this situation, knowing that may not be easy to speak it until mm-hmm. your truth. Right. And how amazing and, and freeing and confident that will feel to really speak from that place. Mm. Was this helpful, Laura? Oh, very much. Um, yeah, very much. I feel um, like I can have, I feel like I can have the conversation. I feel like I can be grounded and I know it's going to be hard and that's okay. And I feel like I'm, I can feel sad and, um, but not try to control you know, the feelings or her feelings or, or her side of the street. Um, yeah. And I feel like I have some accountability with you to have the conversation and be able to know that I'll have a, you know, a safe space to come back and unpack how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And to just keep taking those action steps toward your dream. Yeah. That's exciting. (laughs) That's very exciting. Okay, everybody, let's take a couple moments and just unpack a little bit of Laura's coaching session. So as you heard, Laura was raised in a family who she was always carted around to siblings events, activities, and from the time she was born, she was referred to as an oops baby. 
So because of this, Laura really believed that she was an inconvenience to her family, that she really wasn't wanted. She really bought into the misunderstanding that my parents would be done raising kids if it weren't for me. They could move on with their life. They could have some experiences. They could be doing some things, but they're stuck with me. So there was this belief system of I'm a burden, I'm an inconvenience running the show. And it's that little girl that we want to work with. It's that little girl that is hurting and that needs her needs, needs her needs, that we want to meet her needs. As I always like to say, the unmet needs of our inner child are what create chaos in our adult life. So conceptually, we can understand that Laura's parents were doing the best that they could and all of those things, right? But to that little one inside, there were unmet needs. And there were things now that Laura gets to gift herself. She gets to meet with little Laura and give her the love to make her feel safe, to make her feel seen and bring her along on this beautiful journey moving forward. I really want you to hear me say that your truth is not wrong. That was another one of the beliefs that Laura was really holding on to was that her truth was wrong. Like she didn't deserve to have her needs met, that she didn't deserve to be able to share her truth. Your truth is your truth. So where in your life and relationships do you have an opportunity to practice your truth? You know, Laura stated in this session that being authentically who she is, is not doing anything wrong. And I would say, yes, yes, you are not wrong for being who you are. You are not wrong for being who you are. So where in your life are you going along just to get along, not exposing the real you? Where are you overtaking responsibility? in your life versus being on your side of the street, working on your own stuff, filling your self-love tank, meeting your needs? Where are you stepping out and trying to control and fix and manage? My friends, it will never work. Your healing journey is yours alone, and you've got to stay on your side of the street. I do have a quick update for you. Since this coaching session, Laura did have the conversation with her mom, and of course, it went beautifully. And as a result of that conversation with her mom, Laura is really taking some intentional and powerful action in other aspects of her life now. She feels so empowered to start making these shifts and changes. She feels so inspired to start really claiming what it is she needs and what she wants and what she desires. And she is building the confidence and going after it. That's the extraordinary part of doing this work. We do not have to stay in victim mode. We really can empower ourselves to be the driver in our own vehicle. I don't know why that image is coming to mind. We can get in the front seat of our own car and drive this shuttle bus, right, toward our dreams. 
I come up with the weirdest analogies, I know, but sometimes they work. Bear with me. Okay, friends, I hope that you enjoyed this live coaching episode with Laura. And remember today and always to stay true to you. We'll see you next time. If you like this episode or you're a fan of the Becoming Boundaried show, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets and with your family and friends. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. Have an amazing week and as always, Stay true to you.